I'm so excited. Okay, my first question is... Oh, wow. Oof. Ooh, that's, a, that's something to start out with. Right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it depends on who's I like looking at I think I look queer. Yes. I think I I'm look trans. like the queerest <laughs> that I've I ever looked. That now that I have short blue hair. For the most part, yes. I think like my haircut is... Definitely I like depends to on hope that I give off the gay vibe. <laughs> Today, I think uh, I do. The queer vibe. What is looking queer, though? You're listening to Looking, Feeling, Queering, a podcast about what it feels like to look or not look queer. I'm Leia, and today I'm talking to Xena about gaydar, queer hair length, the aesthetic parallels between queerness and punk, teddy girls, and fisting handkerchief codes. Give a listen. So hi. Hey. So first of all, to just get kind of started, um, do you think that you look queer? In the like... Well, I am queer, so whatever I look like means I look queer way. Yes. In the, like, when I see a person and I'm like, mm, I know that person's queer. No. There is an element, like, because gaydar isn't real. It's based on stereotypes, but also gaydar is real, and I, like, definitely can tell. I like to hope that I give off the gay vibe. <laughs> um, or the queer vibe. But I wouldn't say that how I generally dress myself or present myself is traditionally considered queer. Can you point out any specific, like, landmarks that make you feel like you might not look, quote, queer? I was thinking about hair. I was thinking about this question a lot this Mm -hmm. morning, so I was thinking about hair. Because I feel like hair is a really obvious one, and it's the one that people focus on extensively. Not just, like, like hair anywhere on the body. Mm-hmm. So I think the most place where I look least queer is that my hair is, like, long and straight and, like, is cut into layers. And, like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's a girl haircut. Like, mm-hmm. girls have that haircut. So, like, my haircut, I wouldn't say is particularly queer. And because it's not dyed anymore, I wouldn't... It doesn't look any in any way non-traditional. Um, quote, unquote, non-traditional. Um, but then I, like, have don't shave anymore. So I'm, like, you know... Yep. I see when somebody sees that I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt and the eyes go like, ooh, that's, that's, armpit, that's armpit hair. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah it is, honey. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yay, you just hit three of my questions. This is about hair length, hair dye, and body hair. <laughs> yes. Um, so check, check, check. Boom, cool. boom, boom. <laughs> We'll probably talk more about it. But kind of in relation to the first question, have you ever been told that you look queer and like by who? And maybe it wasn't a like you look queer, but more of an implicit thing. You told me that I looked queer one time because <laughs> I was wearing hiking boots, jean shorts, and carrying a queer bag. Do you remember that? Yes. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew. I got more compliments on my hair from queer people when it was dyed. So I feel like in some ways that's the, like, you look queer. Do you want to describe kind of what your Oh, what my hair, hair dye was? Yeah. Like the bottom inch and a half was dyed red. No, I was going to say poorly in my bathroom, but it was actually pretty well done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you, Portia. Um, <laughs> so I had that, and then people would always be like, the hair! And I was like, yes, it's the giveaway. It is the sign. I think that that's the only time I can think of that people were like, you look queer right now. Do you have any feelings about hair length? I have a lot of feelings about queer <laughs> hair length. Specifically, like, as an assigned female birth person, I think that mm-hmm. kind of, I think it plays into everyone's identity, but I mm-hmm. think it's a specifically queer woman kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. I think frequently about <laughs> cutting all of my hair off. And then, like, and I used to have my hair really short when I was younger. 
it was never like a buzz cut or anything or a pixie cut I guess is that just a buzz cut on on a woman I feel like buzz is like uniformly short. Okay. Where yeah. like a pixie is like has like the longer. Shape, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like yeah. So I've never had a, a buzz cut or a pixie cut, but I had like chin length and above. Mm-hmm. And then I started growing it out, and I cut it off because it was annoying. I mostly <laughs> think about like cutting it off because I'm just like I don't want to get hair in my mouth anymore. <laughs> yeah. What like get this? This is in the way. But I like also really really like the ability of like being able to put my hair up into a ponytail. So I, like, I think, and, like, when I think about actually cutting it, I'm, like, no, I think I would actually prefer having longer hair. Like, I think I actually prefer having longer hair. And then I'm, like, but what if I'm not queer enough? <laughs> but what if, like, I yeah. cut it off? And then I'm, like, oh, I could do an undercut. And then I'm, like, mm. then I'd have to grow <laughs> that out and do the yeah. weird little fuzzies on the side. Do you TV. feel like there are specific spaces where you're, like, much more salient? Like, ah, I'm not queer enough. Or not, like, literally not queer enough, but that feeling. Because, like, what does that even mean? Occasionally, I think. Well, I don't, yeah. Yes, I think there have been spaces where I have been, like, I am not queer enough. And sort of a measure of, like, figuring out ways to... I never try to look queerer, I guess. I guess I always just try to, like, say queerer things. Be queerer. Be queerer. <laughs> Become queerer. Thanks, Foucault. Sometimes in, like, super radical, like, it feels like in, like, I don't know, I'm thinking of, like, Mix, and I felt like I was not queer enough for Mix. Yeah. So it's like, this is a giant party, and everybody's having how sex. how you feel. Okay, I guess that kind of was that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, it, Mix was just, like, this place is pretty. It would probably be prettier if everybody was on drugs. That's probably the intention. Why are there condoms everywhere? <laughs> cool. So we talked a little bit, I have like a kind of list of different specific things that usually I think mark queerness, so we talked a lot about hair, Um, but do you have any feelings about either your queerness or queerness in general and like piercings and tattoos? Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, go. I'm like, (laughs) every queer person here has a piercing or a tattoo in an unusual place, or a usual place, or just a lot of them. Um, Because I was thinking, again, I was thinking about this morning, and I was thinking about the parallelism between (laughs) queer and punk aesthetic and figuring out how I think they can be different, the two can be differentiated because they Mm. are different but I think that they overlap in significant ways that have to do with like subculture and deviance Um, Do you want to tease out if you have any ideas of like what some of those differences might be? I think that punk Oh, interesting. I was going to say that I think punk favors masculine androgyny, but that's also true of queerness. <laughs> I feel punk is one way to express queer fashion, but not the only one. So, like, leather and piercings and rips and, like, DIY graffiti, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff can be a part of the queer aesthetic, but I th- then think also the queer aesthetic can be, like colorful patterns that yeah. quote-unquote don't match and like um would you describe it maybe in this like moment as like one big circle that is queer aesthetic with an inside <laughs> circle that's punk or is it more of a is there a then i think there's a then because i think once you get um mohawks that's mm. not queer anymore interesting like yeah. the, like super big mohawks mm-hmm. though it's like a specific kind of mohawk 
I also don't think that punk favors male... F- or I guess it, in some ways it, it, there's, like, male, male feminization in punk. Like, there's an... Yeah. Like, there's an... Um, an ele- like, I don't think that the people can associate punk men as wearing skirts and things yeah. like that. Or, like, like, yeah, they have, like, the a, guy liner, yeah, but not, like, the... Yeah, I was say eyeliner is, like, maybe taking, like, quote-unquote feminine things and, like, making them masculine as opposed to, like, masculine people taking on feminine yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So I had a question, actually, um, that kind of... I didn't use the word punk, but it was kind of related of, mm-hmm. like, queerness in relation to, like, radicalness in general, mm-hmm. alternative, punk, all of that stuff, and, like, specifically the paraphernalia, like, buttons and patches yeah. and, like... What I mean, I think it's kind of all of the above, but is there a, like, is it a Venn diagram thing where there are people who happen to be maybe both, or is it, like, because you are, like, trying to be queer or are queer that, like, you feel like you have to take on this radical stuff, or is, like, if you're radical, you need to, like, be flexible, queer, like, what is the, is there a relationship there that you see, or is it maybe all of the things? Um, I think it's several of the things. I don't, I think that capital Q queerness Mm -hmm. does indicate radicalism, but I don't think if we're using queer as an umbrella term for anybody who's LGBT identified, that that is a signal of radicalness because, like, cis gay boys exist. (laughs) Um, Yes, they do. Yes, they do. (laughs) And I would don't think I've ever seen one come anywhere near a patch unless it was an elbow patch on a blazer. (laughs) 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 So I think that there's overlap in a lot of cases. I think that like queerness as people who are like specifically Mm -hmm. identifying with queerness does indicate a degree of radicalism that then is associated with like radical subculture and maybe punk and maybe, Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> what's what's radical subculture that's not punk? Like, I don't know, alternative, like, health goth? <laughs> health goth. Oh, goth. Yeah, goth. Yeah, goth. Um, and, like, I feel like, like goth eco, isn't super queer, though. Like, eco-feminism, like... Oh, true. You no know, bra type... Mm-hmm, yeah, vibes. eco-feminism, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> awesome, cool. Yeah. Um, do you, this is maybe a little similar, um, but do you ever feel, to earlier questions, but do you ever feel pressure to, in different contexts, maybe, like, display or hide your queerness? Um, yes. Yeah. No, maybe, it's mostly internal pressure. I don't ever feel like it's externalized pressure. I feel like there are situations where I'm like, I want to look queer for this, and then situations where I'm like, like, I got more conscious about, I got equally more and less conscious about body hair when I was teaching summer camp because I would be like I don't want to explain this to children because they're not going to listen to me over whatever they're hearing from their parents every day but then at the same time I'm like I need to be demonstrating this to children because they need to see an alternative point of view than whatever their parents are telling them every day I feel that hardcore (laughs) so I was like yeah I won't shave and then I'll be like it's sweaty and it's summer and I need to not have hair in my armpits (laughs) yeah what are your feelings on makeup? It's such a process. I was never taught how to use it, so I'm like, eyeliner goes around the edge. <laughs> um, I have, like, a makeup bag that has, like, three different colors of eyeliner, 
like two different foundations that are both kind of too light because they're stage makeup. Um, (laughs) 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 And like one really gaudy pink lipstick and one really, really gaudy red one. I just don't, I mostly don't do it because it's time consuming. And then because I feel like when I try to look nice, it's like an extra step up that I don't need to be like, Mm -hmm. on a normal day, I have winged eyeliner. So now that I'm going out to do something fancy, I need to do my eyeshadow. It's like, on a normal day, you can see the bags under my (laughs) eyes. Now that I'm going out to do something fancy, I'm going to put on mascara. (laughs) So it's more of like a convenience thing than like a presentation thing. And sometimes I get conscious about it, but not terribly often. Cool. Do you feel like your outness in different spaces has to do with how you might present yourself? Like, are there spaces um, maybe where you can or choose to look more or less queer? Probably. I don't put too much effort into it, though, because I don't think that people read me as queer from any of the clothing that I wear. I don't know. Like, one time I had a job interview, so I didn't re-dye my hair because it was mostly brown by then. So I, like, didn't re-dye the red until after the job interview. But that's, like, I feel like a lot of people do that who aren't yeah. necessarily queer. I feel like it's, I, f- I feel like I code it more as a matter, matter of, like, professionalism. But that could just, you know, <laughs> not actually be professionalism. That could be bullshit. Um, yeah, I think professionalism is, like, a super charged, yeah. <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. Going back to, like, buttons and patches for a second, do you have any, like, on your backpack currently or any on, like, clothing that you wear often that you want to tell me about? I don't have any on my backpack currently. I had a bisexual flag one, but then one time when I, like, had a jacket on or something, mm-hmm. the, like, pin got bent, so it would still be on my on my backpack, but it got broken, mm-hmm. so it's not anymore. I carry the queer bag around a lot, um, which I feel like is mm-hmm. most of what the queer, like, <laughs> semiotics that I have is. I have a jacket that has an owl. I think it, I think the Ally Week pin might have also fallen. I think all of my queer, like, <laughs> buttons, like, fall <laughs> off of my stuff. I just try to be <laughs> queer <metaphor>. here. <laughs> God, let me live. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Cool. I have, yeah. You want to tell me about your denim jacket? My denim jacket? Yeah. Um, oh, I have a Steven Universe pin on a denim vest. It also has uh, a patch that says Princess Gown on it, which I love. Um, awesome. And I guess, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I took all the rainbow patches off of my Girl <laughs> Scout stuff and put them onto, like, jean jackets that I actually wear now, mm-hmm. um, or I plan to. So to be like, look, here's my gay insignia. Um, <laughs> Are jean jackets a queer thing? I literally just wrote down denim because <laughs> I keep thinking about it, and I think it kind of is. I think because I was thinking about like punk has only the leather jacket. I don't think I would unless it's like a black denim jacket. I think that would be punk. But then queer can have like the any color denim jacket, and that's kind of yeah. queer. But it has to have patches on it because I saw this girl outside who was wearing a purple denim jacket, mm-hmm. and I was like. No, you're not. You're not gay. <laughs> not one of them. Um, even though you're wearing a purple denim jacket, so probably soon. Uh, <laughs> I think denim. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you want me to go into more there. detail about my um, denim no, jacket. Fine. But actually, though, when you said like your rainbow thing, I was thinking about. I can't believe I didn't write this down, but like <laughs> rainbow is <laughs> a thing. Um, but I was thinking about like, like I personally have like. 
a rainbow like plaid shirt and like a suspenders and like a bow tie for like if I ever choose to go to like a pride event or whatever. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. do you have any like very queer items that you like have for specific occasions and like when have you maybe used them? I have the no shame about being HIV positive shirt, which gets mm-hmm. coded as queer. I mostly wear it to bed because <laughs> I, I, like, don't wear it to work because I know that people are going to ask about it and, like, that kind of stuff. And one time I was, like, wearing it at the airport and I was like, well, <laughs> this is me now. And then I didn't wear it to Pride. And then I was like, I wore, like, a rainbow tie-dye shirt instead. And then I was like, why the fuck didn't I wear the thing that's, like, actually important to Pride as opposed to just <laughs> looking like another straight girl who came down here to get drunk. I don't have anything that I specifically set out as, like... The queer clothing. The queer clothing <laughs> that's for my special queer event. I have a vest that I still haven't had a good occasion to wear. I think I wore it to Olivia, one of Olivia's parties maybe once. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Um, so we're talking about clothes. Um, okay. Do you want to share any experiences you have shopping for clothes or accessories? And, like, where do you go? And also, do you feel tension around the gendered sections? Um... I shop at Target, because I'm from a suburb in the Midwest. Um, the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel like I need to stop, because Target, no offense, Target, but, like, <laughs> you don't make terribly high-quality clothes. Um, so occasionally, they wear through, and by occasionally, I mean, like, three of my jeans in the past <laughs> month. I don't generally feel that much concern when I'm shopping, I think I usually do okay. I just got this online and it was fine. Super cute. Um, for those listening at home, <laughs> it's a red dress with a cowl neck. Heather red, I might even say. I might call that a maroon. A maybe maroon, a burgundy. A burgundy, perhaps. Um, I'm like, why are these sections gendered? Um, yeah. But I like, I buy a lot of pants from the quote unquote men's <laughs> section that are much sturdier, have bigger pockets, and they're more comfortable. So that's, uh, yeah, I don't really feel weird about, sometimes I feel weird about, like, shopping in the men's section, and sometimes I'm like, eh, I'm here for pants and a shirt. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have a favorite article of clothing? <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> Explain. This is really gay. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> I had the sweater that I really, really, I had, okay. I had this sweater that I really, really liked. It was gray, and I bought it from a thrift store. And it had two pockets on the front that, like, weren't useful for anything. But I don't wear it anymore because I gave it to Zeb. No. <laughs> um, and it fits him better, so it's his now. That, so that was my favorite article <laughs> of clothing. Um, <laughs> I really just like sweaters in general, so I'll talk about another sweater that I own that I like. Um, why not? Um, I have a gray Vera Wang for Kohl's um, <laughs> uh, sweater that's like super thin it's like super fine and like mm-hmm. kind of loose and so it gets tangled on things all the time but it's like gray and it's really loose and has really big sleeves and it's got like a little sheer like f- not like like a very dense lace does that make sense it's not mm-hmm. like the like flowery lace but it's like a thin thing that's mm-hmm. like around the bottom and it's very floaty and you have to wear a shirt underneath it because it's see-through but I really like it nice awesome mm-hmm. I didn't ask this question to Olivia because I forgot but I feel like it would be fun with you because you're all into like the archives stuff um but here's a cue 
Do you think queer aesthetics have changed with time? Like, obviously, they have a little, but, like, <clears throat> mapping that, and then, um, on the flip side, are there, like, similarities to past? Like, is there a universal, timeless queer aesthetic? Huh. I don't think we have nearly enough. Carnations? Is that the flower that Oscar Wilde loved? <laughs> I don't know. Lilacs? There was some flower that if yeah. you wore it, in, if you were a man in like the mm-hmm. 1800s, you wore it in your lapel and it was like, he's gay. I love um, it. I don't remember what it is. I want to say it's lilac because it was purple. I feel like it's lilac or another purple flower because I remember yeah. hearing like someone's like, yeah. school event was called that. Yeah. So I think we should bring those back because um, I think that is very timeless. You hear that? Um, lilac lapels. <laughs> lilac lapels, everybody. Get on it. I think that there is a certain element of timelessness to queer aesthetic because of its ability, because of the... I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this properly. There's a sense of timelessness because queer aesthetic matches each time that it exists in because it's partially about the reversal of... Uh, expected gender presentation. Mm-hmm. So queer fashion is universal in the sense that there's always going, or up until now, yes. there has always been a separation of aesthetic presentation for men and women, and mm-hmm. then there's been no room for the in-between, and then the in-between has been like, what is... <gasps> um, so I think that in that sense, yeah, I feel like I feel like gay boys still really love to wear button-ups. Um, I feel like that's been true at least since the 60s. I probably like a before. I feel like that is also a lesbian thing. I feel like Snapchats, snapbacks have emerged as a lesbian thing. Yeah. Combat boots in line with punk. Um, I was actually thinking about Doc Martens the other day mm-hmm. because I was talking to um, Rabbi Nikki, who's like, I wouldn't say like a whole generation above, but like different, different mm-hmm. generation. Um, and me and Zeb were on the stairs talking to her and I, we were both happened to be wearing our docs that day and we like were talking about her high school or her college days and she was like yeah like me and all my queer friends wear our Doc Martens all the time and it's just like like universality of like <laughs> mm-hmm. alternative yeah youth yeah. wearing the Doc Martens <laughs> I feel like that's definitely an element of it I feel like hair butch people hair was hair has remained mm-hmm. um yeah, because I feel like the expectations of what people's hair should look like has remained yeah. um, fairly sustained for a very long time. This is also, of course, only considering American culture as well. Yeah. Obviously, I don't know about anything else. But I think about, if you think about, like, the Teddy Girls, I don't know when that was. There was a time in England when there were these people called Teddy Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and they their hair was designed after, like, 1800s working women, I want to mm-hmm. say. It was, like, the bun that was, like, kind of... It's, like, the bun on the top, and it's, like, kind of poofy leading yeah. up to it. But then they would wear, like, bomber jackets and, like, mm. penny loafers and, like, have a very, like, masculine aesthetic with this, like, very feminine hair. Um, there was a teddy girl in my class last semester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's like, my hashtag goals aesthetic mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah. I just wish I could do my hair like that because it looks really cool. But it's, like, also it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, I was thinking also about, I don't know, like, a ton of the history, and it's more, like, what I know is anecdotal, but I think it was a thing of, like, um, for gay men, like, a piercing on which side. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. coding what you're down with. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it used to be, 
do you want to hear about yeah, semiotics of queer culture? Um, yes, it used to be that one side designated top and one side designated yeah. bottom, so a piercing at all meant that you were gay. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably, I wonder how this carries across race, though, because it's probably mostly true for white men. Mm-hmm. And now it's just because, and it was always left was top, right was bottom. Um, now it's just become right was, right, the right ear was the gay ear. Mm-hmm. Um, because not gay unless you bottom or whatever uh, but that's just like a, a the, I can also talk about the hanky code if you want to hear about the hanky code please um the hanky code <laughs> was another thing that I don't know what era it was in but it was around for a while and you still see it at pride parades you'll see the um hankies I think it's mostly in like queer BDSM subculture mm-hmm. or so but it's the color of bandana and the side that you wear it on you wear it in one of your back pockets mm-hmm. of your jeans indicates what kink you are into, and whether you like to top or to bottom. For example, off the top of my head, the <laughs> only one I remember is fisting is red. <laughs> and if you want to do the fisting, <laughs> you would wear it on the left. If you want to be fisted, be you would wear it oh on God. the right. Great. Um, but then there's, like, like, hardcore bondage, I think, is, like, dark blue, and, like, light bondage is, like, oh, light, light blue. blue. Um, and then there's, like... I love it. Yeah, or black maybe, I don't know. They, like, all mean different things. Yeah. So. One of the questions I'm not necessarily, or I'm, like, asking people, but it's more, like, one of my analytical questions that I'm, like, exploring, not Mm -hmm. necessarily, like, an interview question, is kind of um, androgyny equals white plus thin plus mask, and, like, what's up with that? Um, And, like, what does that feel like to be on any side of that? And Mm -hmm. then also, um, like, how does race and gender specifically race play into the idea of like who's allowed to mess with gender presentation mm-hmm. and like yeah and queerness and stuff if you have any feelings about that um yeah I agree <laughs> I think that androgyny is coded as very white I think it's coded as very thin skinny I think it's coded as very masculine yeah yes all right <laughs> cool something about like the experience of being like with someone um whether Mm -hmm. that's like a romantic relationship or like in a group of friends or whatever Mm -hmm. both inside the relationship so like how the dynamics of like visual queer play out um and like maybe heteronormativity whatever or Mm -hmm. like and like butch femme that kind of thing or also like how relationships get read visually by other people Mm -hmm. um, if you have thoughts and feels everybody is always very encouraging of me whenever I say I want to cut off my hair Mm-hmm. regardless mostly I talk I feel like it's like hard for me to say because like I mostly talk to queer people <laughs> so it's hard for <laughs> me to be like so it's hard for me to be like yeah all the queers encourage it but all the straights are like no your hair looks nice like that um it's like everybody encourages it but everybody's <laughs> also queer so it's like how do you know as somebody who is generally feminine presenting with someone who is who's in a relationship with someone who is generally masculine presenting like, when I was talking about cutting my hair with Seb, he was like, I kind of like the idea of, like, you having shorter hair than me, like, mm-hmm. you having shorter hair than me, and, like, thinking about that. Or, like, he's like, oh, if we, like, went to a fancy thing, and, like, I was wearing a dress, and, like, a cute skirt, and you were, like, wearing a thing. And I was like, yeah, that would, that's, so that's, like, a thing that, like, I have talked about, and I've considered the way that those things generally play out, but also mm-hmm. at the same time, it's, like, not how the day-to-day kind of goes. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of is, but, it, like, I don't know. Yes. Yes. Questions. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I just had a question that went away. Had to do with hair Mm -hmm. or 
dress and fancy to places. Or... Oh, baby queer feels. Um, I didn't actually include this in my questions. I don't know why I must for the future. But do you have, like, we don't have to dive into, like, all of that soup. Because it's, like, <laughs> a whole whole world and a whole nother Oof. interview. But, like, um, just any things that come up when talking about, like, your coming into queerness or realizing or whatever in terms of, like, marking it visually, like, what it looked like or what it felt like inside in terms of, like, your body and your clothes, all of that stuff. I mean, I've always worn a lot of flannel. Um, (laughs) I also just, like, have a lot of trouble with the, like, coming into queerness narrative in how it aligns with the coming out narrative in how it aligns with my understanding of my sexuality because... I have never been what people, have never until college been what people consider out. But, like, the reason I wasn't out wasn't because I was not telling people. It was because nobody asked because everybody assumes. Right. So it wasn't, like, a a case where I was, like, not telling people that I was, like, if people, expl- like, the one time in my <laughs> entire four years of high school that somebody explicitly asked, I was like, yeah, I'm bisexual, and that was my freshman year of high school, and then it was just, like, never mentioned again until I, like, you know, came to NYU and started going to all the gay things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. All sorts of feelings about coming out narrative. Yeah. So it's, like, coming to NYU has then, like, started influencing more of how I understand my queer presentation. I think that's just the, I think that might, not just the influence, but I think it's partially the influence of being around more queer people with different aesthetics as opposed to just, like, everybody who goes to the same high school because it's, like, pretty similar um, no matter how hard they try. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think also maybe reframing it not as, like, you personally as an individual, like, coming into queerness because it's not, like, a thing that there's a thing that exists before it maybe Mm -hmm. for different people, but, like, in a world that is, like, assuming... In in a a world. world. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, But, yeah, no, in a world where, like, heteronormativity and, like, assumption and all of that and, like, the media, et cetera, exists, Uh maybe realizing, or, like, if there are moments where you're, like, but I don't want to wear that thing, or, like, I look different, or whatever. Mm. But also, like, with unschooling, maybe it's a little bit of a different baby, baby youth. Yeah, no. I remember feeling really awkward, like, wearing a skirt to school in middle school. So I, like, didn't again for a really long time, but that was mostly just, like, I don't think that was, like, a, a queer <laughs> presentation yeah. thing. It was, like, oh, my God, my thighs, like, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I still don't like wearing skirts without something underneath it, so that just felt yeah. like, like, in middle school, I was, like, something is going to happen. Um, and yes. I'm, like, yeah, something's going to prepared me. Always have shorts. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, that's, like, my question, basically. Do you have any, like, outstanding feelings? My feelings are always outstanding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, True. (laughs) All feelings are outstanding. (laughs) Um, I think that feelings are great. Uh, (laughs) No. No, I do not. Yay. Mm -hmm. Well, that was lovely. Why didn't you ask about plaid? No. (laughs) True. Honestly... I'm All learning so many things. Yeah, I gotta add plaid and flannel to my plaid list of flannel. marked things. Rainbow. Yeah, no, I wrote rainbow. <laughs> rainbow, parentheses, pride. 